Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now. New plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now. 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. And welcome back to the show here on the Garden Wise Show on Legends 810 with the Garden Wise Guys, Jim Borland and Keith Funk. And indeed, we are not so much of a desert, it's called a semi-desert. And as I was, he was saying... It's uh, a freaking desert. I'm looking out across the way, and it looks like anything but a desert. <laughs> There's nothing but trees, 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 and then a reservoir full of water. Yeah. That's not a desert in my mind. Sorry, folks. Well, it's being irrigated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh, everything I see out here, everything is green out here except for there are a couple of open spaces that uh, are not getting any kind of irrigation attention. Um, that those, the green would be gone. If, um, if, we, if everybody stopped watering, everybody stopped watering tomorrow for the rest of the year, the calendar year, mm-hmm. how much of this would still be alive next spring? Well, I can see a number of things that are dead already. <laughs> <laughs> so they're getting a good start. <laughs> I see a cottonwood out there that's dead. And, 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 and I don't know what that thing that might be a maple tree down there that's dead. And over there, that's, that's probably a Siberian elm that's dead. Um, you know, it goes on like that. And a couple of pine trees that are dead. And those that happened last winter, and they had nothing to do with water. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. So you combine the climate of, cold, uh, of temperature fluctuations as well as lack of moisture. Uh, if, if we weren't here to water all this stuff, most of it would be gone. And it wouldn't take very long. And, in, the, and, in, the, and, in the grand scheme and, of and things. And the lakes, in the, uh, lakes uh, in the Grand Canyon would be filled up. There you go. Oh, wait a minute. I take that back. Yeah, I w- they would get more water because uh-huh. we steal water from the West Slope here. That comes across the mountains. Actually, it comes under the mountains. But anyway, uh, that water would continue on down the Colorado River and fill up those what they call lakes. They're actually reservoirs. Mm-hmm. But um, and then Las Vegas could throw water all over the place. They already do. I, that's true. <laughs> all right, let's get back out to the phones. We've got Carol waiting to talk to us out in Highlands Ranch about weeds of all things. Good morning, Carol. Good morning. It's an ongoing saga. Isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's a it's a battle this time of year. That's for sure. It it truly is, and I'm not sure we've covered exactly. Maybe the same thing for the weeds that I'm having trouble with. But I wanna I wanna make sure I'm, I'm doing this right. I have these tall prickly things that are multi leaves, and we've sprayed them, and they keep coming back. And when you try to pull them, they break off. I've dug them. I can't dig deep enough. To get that long, um, you know, to get that long uh, bottom part of the plant out. So, and then they—they're hiders. They will h- come up in um, in my rose bushes, and mm-hmm. so really, you know, it's really hard to spray them because of where they're coming up without damaging other other plants. Are any of them you know, blooming? I don't know them. I'm sorry. Are any of them blooming? I have not seen blooms. Hmm. 
Hmm. It's a little early. I'm thinking it's probably it could be prickly lettuce. That seems to be coming up everywhere. I'm and in, it's inside can- of uh, could be Canada thistle Canada too. Canada thistle too. If it keeps coming back, because prickly lettuce you should uh-huh. be able yeah. to pull when the soil's moist. Well, I well I the soil you know was I was pulling it after it had been watering overnight, and I, it just breaks off, and I can't. Um, I can't get it out. When it does break and off, is there I kind of a white is is there a white milky sap, or is it just clear? I I, I think it's just clear. I, I okay. haven't really noticed a milky sap. I haven't paid attention to that. Okay, she's trying to pull it out. Yeah, well, and it's very prickly and you know and hard to deal with. And then and it came. I've seen it. I found some two feet tall in the backside of my roses that I didn't didn't notice until I was sitting right there and looking mm-hmm. at it. I would uh, take a, a chunk of that the next time it grows up. Take a big chunk of that into your garden center and have them identify what it is. Okay. Uh, and then we can go from there as to how to treat that and how to get rid of it. Because if, okay. uh, if it's an annual, uh, like we said, you should be able to dig it out or just to pull it up. But if it's a perennial, that takes a a different tack. Now okay. we probably should have to resort to some sort of, of weed killer. Okay. W- whether it be Roundup or something else, and probably would be Roundup. And then well, how to apply it because it's we, coming up in the middle of your roses. Yeah, we we have sprayed with, with Roundup and, and gotten some of it that just keeps coming back. It's not mm-hmm. it's not uh, being affected. Well, um, it, 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 it will keep coming back. While and then it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it will keep coming back even if you spray it with Roundup. And like I said earlier, the best way to deal with it is let them plants get up nice and tall, you know, a foot or more tall yeah. before you spray them. Yeah, and, and they are. Okay, all right. But it's going to be, it's going to take persistence on your part. It, it may take a couple of years worth of that, oh. you know, continuing okay. to go back and spray them when they, when they pop up here and there. It may take a couple of years or more uh, to eliminate them. But you want to let them get get tall, um, and and I do most of them. I have a, a lot of them right now that uh, I'm trying to. I'm getting to that are a foot, you know, eight inches, and some in the back of the roses. They're two feet tall because mm-hmm. they're hiding back there. Yeah, and I didn't see them. Yep, and uh, also keep in mind that in the fall, like late September into October, is a great time to let them grow up and then spray them before they get frozen. Because then okay. that that product gets carried down into the root system, but the plant isn't growing anymore that year. So that product that that weed killer sits in the root system over the winter and gives you a really good kill that way too. Okay, so we're talking uh, Roundup basically is going to be the best for yeah probably or yeah. you know Roundup or kills all they're yeah. both glyphosate and, and, and you can spray it on or you can use a paintbrush to paint it on. Uh, there are also other methods of, uh, of uh, a glove method. You put on a, a, a pair of, of like latex gloves and then put another whole pair of, of uh, fabric gloves and dip that into the <clears throat> and Roundup and then just wipe that over the entire plant. Okay. And the beauty of okay. using a Roundup or a glyphosate product is, like I said earlier, there's no fumes. 
So you can use it in very close proximity to your ornamental plants without any fumes damaging your ornamental plant. Okay. Okay. Well, we can do that. And, and I, uh, did I just pull the stuff that's in the roses, and, or should I try to treat it? I would try to treat it if you can. Now, I know that's difficult because you have, it's coming up, you're right in the roses. But if there's some way of doing that. Yeah, Yeah, they're both prickly, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah. If if you can take that tall stem and you can't apply Roundup to it in any way whatsoever, you could maybe bend it out so it it bends outside the rose plant and then treat treat that part. Okay, I can do that. Okay. I will, I will, t- I will do that. But also, I'd like to know what it is. What was it? Some what kind of lettuce did you? Well, I said prickly lettuce, but it's, it's beginning to sound like it's something else. It, it's beginning to sound like Canada thistle. Okay. That uh, that too was very very prickly. The, even the leaves are prickly. Purple blooms, yes, yeah. Purple blooms, yep. The leaves are prickly <clears throat> on this. So when you get a hold of it to, pr- you know, to pull it out, yeah, you gotta yeah. have... They're prickly lettuce. Typically, it's only the stem that's really prickly. Oh, no, this is the stem. This is the leaf. The whole too. thing, yeah, that's beginning to sound like a, yeah. a Canada thistle. Okay, and it's the same treatment to get rid of it? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. Okay, I'll try that. I have one other question about bulbs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I, I bought some uh, <coughs> lily bulbs, mm-hmm. and... Uh, I planted four last year that never came up, and I bought some again this year, and I don't have it in front of me, but I remember one of them was called a Tiger Woods, if that gives you any idea of what kind of bulb they are. They're the big, you know, the big lilies with the splotchy colors. Yeah, that sounds uh, like a tiger lily. Yeah. Not Tiger Wood. (laughs) Okay. Well, the name of it is Tiger Woods. I remember it. Really? um, Cool. Yeah. I looked at the package. I found it out at Tagawa, and um, I I looked at it's a more white with pink uh, spots in it. But um, oh, that sounds like an oriental uh, lily. Yeah. Well, one of those. In any case, I planted five of them. I've only have two of them that are coming up, and they're only up about an inch, and I can see a little bit. You know, a few um, few leaves on it, and the other three are not coming up. Um, I have no no idea what I'm, you know, what the problem is. How how deep did you plant? Them. How deep did you plant them? Yeah, about. I think I planted them about the same size. I planted them as deep as the size of the lily, if that makes sense. If the the lilies were an inch tall, I dug a two inch hole and put them in it. Oh, okay. The. Yeah, the the general yeah, I see what you're saying. The the the, the height of the lily bulb itself. Uh-huh. You, you just doubled that depth. Yeah, lilies lilies are typically planted four to six inches deep. Some of them are even planted deeper than that. Depends on the variety. Uh, when did you plant them? Um, early June, like this. this oh, early, That's kind of late. June. That's kind of late for lilies. Okay. Yes. Normally, they're in the ground by okay. middle of April. Early to mid-April. Oh. Oh. Yeah, that okay. sounds a little late. I'm wondering if you're, if the bulbs were still good. Yeah. Might be dried up by then. Well, they were still selling them at Takawa. So, 
uh, I purchased them, and within a day or so, I put them in the ground. Mm-hmm. But I didn't realize that they were April uh, type of plants. Yeah, you want to get lily. You want to get the lily bulbs in as soon as you can. Yeah, er, early, okay. early in the season Actually, or in the fall. Yeah, in the fall would be the best time if you can get them. Uh, typically, garden centers don't have them in the they fall. They don't have them in the fall. No, I don't understand oh. that. Right. Yeah, you, you okay. would have to mail order them. I see. Okay. And, uh, and, well, and, I do have two that are trying to come up. Yeah, this. well, like we'll just have to wait, I think. Uh, it sounds like they were not planted deep enough. And, you know, <clears throat> if the, if the, when the season moves along here and it's really clear they're not coming up, that's about the time I would get my trowel out and start digging down and find out what, what, what happened. Are they still there? Did they do anything okay. at all or did they turn to mush? Okay, yeah. Well, you know, and I had the same luck last year. I planted four, and they never came up. Yeah. And, and at least I, had I would try getting them in the in the fall from mail order, and even there, okay. uh, the day that you get them, you want to plant them. They will start drying up very quickly. Okay. And they're very okay. fleshy. Okay. Um, I don't remember. I, I remember that there's some, you know, there's some paper-like um, material on the outside of them yeah they should be kind of scaly but uh yeah if you're going to plant them in the spring i'd I'd start searching for them in early april and get them in the ground do i do i have to to take them out and take them in for the winter no put them in the garage in the winter okay all right so i could do it um okay i will try that so i may or may not get any lilies but at least i have two poking their heads out We'll see what's going on with those. All right. Okay. Well, thanks for your call, Carol. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. We have to take a little break here because it's that time of the morning. Uh, Before we do that, let me announce again that the Colorado Cactus and Succulent Society is having a show and sale on the 10th of July at the Jefferson County Fairgrounds. It starts at 9 and goes until 5. There's a $5 entry fee. And if you have any questions about where, indeed, the Jeffco City Fairgrounds is, county, sorry, uh, Fairgrounds is, why well, give us a call here. It's, it's that, it's that it's out on West facility in West 6th Avenue. It's on the frontage road to the south, and you get off at Indiana. Indiana. Mm-hmm. And uh, go south a piece, and then it winds around and turns into the, into the frontage road. And the entry is pretty doggone obvious. But, uh, and you have to drive around up in the facilities itself you, you'll find out where it is mm-hmm. they'll, they'll, i'm they'll sure there'll be signs yeah yeah so um any questions about that uh, it's not just cactus that they're going to have there lots of things they have there you can plant out in your garden that's very very hardy and by the way some of those cactus are gorgeous when they bloom yeah. oh my goodness they're pretty and since we haven't since they haven't <coughs> been able to have a show for at least a year or two yeah. because of the covid situation we ought to have a pretty darn good selection of stuff to choose from. I would think so. And if you're a fan of ice plants, my guess is they're going to have at least 30 or 40 varieties of it. Oh, my goodness. They're, I mean, there's now hundreds on the market. Mm-hmm. Literally hundreds on the market. Okay. Uh, now we're going to take a break and get out of there and uh, get back here and take your, gar- your garden questions right here on Legends 810. Do you have insects on your roses? Do you have borers damaging your trees and shrubs due to stress or the drought? Fertilome Tree and Shrub Drench is a great product that will give you season-long protection against many insects. 
Fertilome tree and shrub drench can act as a preventer or a curative for insects that suck or chew on leaves or bore under the bark. This is the easiest product to use. Simply measure, mix in a bucket, and pour around the base of the tree. No messy spraying involved, and an application can last up to one year. Protect your trees with Fertilome tree and shrub drench. Find it at a local independent nursery, garden center, or a hardware store, including Wilmore Nursery in Littleton, The Tree Farm in Longmont, Tagawa Gardens in Centennial, Nick's Garden Center in Aurora, Jared's Nursery in Littleton. To find your closest dealer, go to www.fertilome.com. That's www.fertilome.com. Well, summer is in full swing now, and look who's back those nasty Japanese beetles, and they're ready to wreak havoc on your garden. If you're looking to successfully control Japanese beetles without damaging the environment, look no further than Beetle Gone from Phylum Bioproducts. Derived from a naturally occurring soil bacteria, Beetle Gone is the only organic solution that successfully controls those destructive beetle invaders. Just mix the powder with water and spray on your plants. Once ingested, they stop feeding and die. And since it's an organic BT product, rest assured it's a safe choice to use on your fruits and veggies in addition to your ornamental flowers and trees. Not only does Beetle Gone work on adult Japanese beetles, it is completely safe to use around beneficials such as ladybugs, butterflies, and bees. And it has no issues with water toxicity. Beetle Gone from Phylum Bioproducts. Target the pest and not the rest. You'll find Beetle Gone at your favorite independent garden center. And make sure you tell them that the Garden Wise Guys sent you. Rain or shine, stop by Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden to check out the great selection of annuals and perennials in stock. Trucks arrive almost daily with flowers, ornamental grasses, and shrubs. It is not too late to start some of the warm season veggies from seed, cucumbers, beans, squash, also some of the root crops such as carrots and beets. The leafy veggies are fine if provided with shade. As always, Jared's has a great gift store and some fun garden art, lots of dragons this year as well as many other unusual items. Stop in and check them out. Pots include several styles of aqua pots, the new stylish ceramic self-watering pots you see advertised everywhere. These pots, developed by proven winners, are not only stylish, but they reduce water usage and make it much easier to keep the plants happy and healthy. Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden on West Bulls Avenue between Kipling and Sims. Hours are 9 to 6 weekdays and 9 to 5 weekends. Hope to see you soon. Call into the Fix It Show with your questions about your home. Saturday morning at 930. Specializing in heating and cooling problems, legendary hosts Deborah and Adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live, interactive Fix-It show, helping your home weather Colorado's unique climate and temperature swings. You have questions, they have answers. Call into the Fix-It show every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 on Legends. All right, we are back. We're taking your garden questions on the phone, our phone here, and your phone there. And uh, by magic, somehow it gets here. And uh, who do we have that actually succeeded in doing that? Andrew was able to punch in the right combination of numbers. Yay, because you know some of those numbers are secret. That's right. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. Thanks for calling the, uh, I, thanks sure. for calling the Garden Wise, guys. How can we help you today? I've got... 
Nonsidium orchid question. Okay. I believe they have what is called a pseudobulb. Correct. And mine have turned a yellowish. I have two old ones that I have turned a yellowish color. Mm-hmm. Um, just wondering, do I need to remove them? No. Are they are they basically dying, or what's going on? Uh, the the older pseudobulbs will take on a different color than the younger ones, uh, and they basically serve the plant as a storage organ for water and nutrients. So I wouldn't remove them until they actually turn brown or get soft. Okay. And is there, I mean, how do you remove them? Do you just twist and remove or? Well, I, I usually take a sharp uh, pruner and sever it from the, sever them from the main plant. Okay. Okay. I will try that. All right. And kudos to you for knowing what kind of orchid you have. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this one before, so. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for calling, Andrew. Alrighty. Did you know that today? Yes, I did. Is uh, I bet you didn't. Did you know that <clears throat> today is Cherry Pit Spitting Day? Why do you think I bought this? Brought this bag of cherry pits with me? Oh, <laughs> I, yeah, really. <laughs> I got some cherries at home, and <clears throat> I've been I haven't been spitting them. I should. Hmm. We it's, always spit watermelon seeds. We had yeah. We had contests. Contests, yeah. Uh, National Fried Clam Day today. Ooh. I could go for that. National Chocolate Wafer Day. I'll go for that one as well. Along with the clams. That would be cool. And then, to top it off, International Plastic Bag Free Day. Uh, I don't like that one so much. <laughs> I like better. It's here. Some, oh, na- National Independent Beer Run Day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need to do that because I got beer at home. Oh, I like this one. Compliment your mirror day. <laughs> <laughs> Compliment your mirror? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you do a very good reflection. Yeah, Thank th- you so much. Those of you who are really taken with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's also Eat Beans Day today. Okay. Yeah. And then Disobedient Day. I, I can go for that. Sounds good. Well, for yep. those of you who are wondering, the telephone number here <laughs> is 303-477-2473, and there's no one on the waiting list right now. So please call. Well, if you don't, I'm going to rattle off some of the, the new Echinacea's uh, names. Sensation Black Pearl, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Rhymes with Orange. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, and then there's pickup orange and pickup pink, not to mention red effect. Uh, and then there's a whole meditation line: meditation lime, orange, and pink. Um, sensation orange. So orange is a, a new new flower color, apparently. It's very hot right now. Uh, sensation honey gold. Um, I think that that uh, completes them all. I have never, until recently, been a fan of echinacea of any kind. I've always felt that they were ooh, ooh. weedy looking and didn't flower much and just didn't, didn't appeal to me at all, period, until recently. In the last couple of years, I've planted some of the kismet, 
series and the Sombrero series. Mm-hmm. Now, these are, I, I'm impressed with the way they're performing in the yard, and I might even plant more. But uh, they're not low water plants, people. No. This year, I, I, don't, I don't grow any of the cultivars at all. <clears throat> Did a couple of years, and then uh, after yellows got into them, enough of that. Yeah. Um, they do have Echinacea paradoxa. I'm trying to think of the name. That's a yellow one. It's the only yellow one. And, uh, and just plain old purpurea. Mm-hmm. This year, they're over three feet tall. Oh, my goodness. With all this rain we've had. And looking glorious. I'll bet. Man. The, um, what's the one that's in the plant select? Uh, that's it's a Echinacea, pink one, pinky purple one. Tennesseeensis, I think okay. is the name. We've got some at Nick's yeah. in a one-gallon pots that are just beautiful. That used to be a rare plant. Really? Yep. Oh, it's, it's a gore- it, And it looks vigorous. It doesn't look weak and wimpy and floppy in the yeah. pot. Don't I hate know, that. Yeah, I don't know how that got into the, into the plant select, since, considering there's all these... <coughs> 725 cultivars out there because they could have put any one of those in there in addition to our native one here. But uh, no, they had to go to Tennessee and get this one. But I, I don't know why they selected that one. I don't either. All the other eight or nine species of them. I may have to plant one just to see. There you go. And, and then report back, please. Okay, I will. Right. Now, we've got full lines, it looks okay. like. Okay, all right. So let's, uh, let's get started. We've got Judy in Denver wanting to talk to us. Good morning, Judy. Morning. Good morning. Hello. Hi. Are you there? Yeah. Hi. What do we? What can we do for you this morning, Judy? Yeah. I, so I need to have my uh, fence replaced, and um, uh, I was wondering about salvaging some of the plants. So I have an Oregon grape, a Catoni aster, bush honeysuckle, choke cherry, juniper, and lilac. Ooh, so that's going to be tough. About, oh, okay. How, how long have they been in the ground, Judy? Oh, you know, the, uh, quite a while, probably 15 years or so. They're mostly mm. um, cut creeping from my neighbor's yard into my yard, and I've kind of left them mm-hmm. uh, go. So, Well, the, the Oregon grape holly, the bush honeysuckle, the choke, choke cherry, did you say? Yeah, choke cherry and cotoneaster. All of those, well, the cotoneaster maybe not so much, but the other ones you can cut way down and, and maybe not move okay. them, but at least cut them down after the fence has been put in, see what kind of damage was caused, and then trim them up. Um, the juniper, not so much. Okay. No transplanting that. Not, not if it's been in the ground for 15 years, no. No. Okay. All right. And the lilac? You could cut that to the ground if, <clears throat> if, if needed and just leave it there. If the fence, fence, people, could, fence people can work around it. Yeah, there's, there are some cases where they won't be able to do that. So I was wondering about uh, digging them up and maybe, uh, you know, healing them into some other part of the garden or something. If they've been in the ground for a year or two, maybe, but not 15 years. You're not going to be able to move those. Yeah, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, sort of a shame. Some of them are gorgeous. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm just curious. What kind of fence do you have in there now? Uh, uh, It's a 
like a 46-year-old cedar I'm suing. Okay, and what are you going to be putting in? Uh, the same thing. <clears throat> I'm not sure why you couldn't work around a, a lot of those plants. Well, they need um, 18 inches. The fencing company said they need 18 inches to work. Oh, boy. Hmm. Boy, I think some of those you might be able to cut back 18 inches. Uh, what they uh, really need is room to put the post in. Yeah. Right. But the stuff yeah. in between the post, you know, they got to work that, work around that, but... Yeah, I think I think I would just try to prune. Well, the juniper is not going to take a no. pruning of eighteen inches, but everything no. else should take a, that kind of a pruning, no problem. Oh, oh really? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Well, that's good news. Thank you so much. All well, right, sure, sure. You bet. <laughs> All, right. All right, bye. Bye. All right, John, we have to take a break, don't we? Are we late? No, it's only t it's only eight thirty. Oh, did we get to eight fifteen? We did the early one, yeah. You were very I, early I'm, on that one. I, I must have been asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and earlier, my attention was taken away from because we have a, a grand view out, the, out behind us here. And just slowly floating through the air was this white egret. Oh, uh, yeah? I, I don't know where he was headed to because where he was headed, there, there's no water down that way unless he took a left turn over to the reservoir. Just kind of, and that's like one of those bright, shiny things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. We've got uh, Steve on the line out in Lakewood that uh, has some wind damage problems. Good oh. morning, Steve. Good morning. I uh, had a problem with an elm tree, and it kind of took out the center portion of the trunk, and I cut that off because it was already on the ground. But then the uh, two limbs remaining went up in kind of a V-shape. And uh, one of them is way longer and makes the tree look kind of out of shape. When's a good time to uh, prune that back? I don't think I would advise pruning back what sounds like it's going to be a, a fairly good-sized stem. About an inch and a half in diameter. Mm. Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. Ideally, in a perfect world, you'd wait until late February, sometime in March. That would be the time to do some drastic pruning. Okay. Now, once you do that, can you envision what you're going to have left? Is that going to be an acceptable-looking tree? Yeah. It looks, you know, like a nice rounded tree. Okay. Okay. Or it will look like a nice rounded tree. The big thing is the, uh, the foliage on the ends of it is making the limb, you know, bend down like it. Yeah. Just not, just well, ugly, so I've with an elm, I don't see any reason why he couldn't do some pruning on it right now. Okay, that's a good thing. Then I got a last easy question for you. I got irises, and what's the difference between an iris and what's the other thing that they call them? Uh, Flag? Flags? Flags, yeah. Anyway, they're up, and I uh, wanted to kind of make them look level. They all died off after they bloomed. So what's a good level to, to prune them at? Uh, typically not to, to prune anything that's green. Okay. You can prune out uh, dead leaves for sure. You might be able to just pull those out. Right. Uh, if your green leaves are really very brown at the tips, that's an indication they may not have gotten sufficient water. Mm, that's not the case. Okay. Green. <laughs> Good. Yeah, yeah just yeah. cut out the flower stems. Yeah, and the flower stems, of course. All right. But leave everything else. 
Thanks for your help. You bet. Take care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of an old-fashioned method of dealing with iris. I remember my grandmother would always go out after they finished blooming and cut them all down to about six or eight inches tall. I know. <laughs> I always thought that was wrong without actually knowing anything about plants. It just That was just wrong. Well, how would that happen <clears throat> in nature? Cows. Cows? <laughs> Bison? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. De- deers and elks. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. You don't cut them down like that unless you're transplanting them. Yeah. And then one of the biggest reasons for cutting them back is that well, number one, you've reduced, you, you've damaged the root system. But the other is that those leaves act like a sail, and those things are planted very shallowly, so that it's easy for those big leaves to get caught in the wind and blow the plant over. Yeah, into the next yard. Yeah. <laughs> So that's one of the reasons you cut the foliage way down. And, until the roots have taken mm-hmm. purchase. I like that Purchase. Term. Yeah, purchase. <laughs> like they have money to spend. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where are we at with these callers here? We've got Sherry in Arvada wants to talk about trimming some bushes. Good morning, Sherry. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, <clears throat> apologize in advance for a summer cold. Can oh, I'm sorry. Those are always miserable. Well, especially after a year and a half of not being exposed to anybody, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, that's the joy of getting out of a pandemic. Um, The question is, is we uh, have a a beautiful orange pyracanthus, kind of an old-fashioned bush that we just love because of the the foliage, the the white flowers in the spring and early summer, and the beautiful orange berries during the fall and winter. But... They are prickly, guys. Yes. <clears throat> yes, they are. And this one has grown uh, into a walkway, uh, so you have to kind of skirt around it. When is the best time, if at all, to cut that down to as small as possible to get it to grow back up again? Probably next, late next winter. Okay. You yeah, can I, I trim off what gets in my way. Yeah, you you lame. can do that a little bit anytime you need to. Yeah. But and do some major pruning. I would I would wait until it's late next winter. And and how short can we cut that down? You can be pretty brutal with yeah. pyracantha. I'm I'm not sure I'd take it to the ground. No. I would leave some stems. Uh, I don't know, six to eight inches long at the base. That's very doable. I, to be quite honest, it, it is such a beautiful large bush that. We'll, we'll probably have to do it. Like and, and then you got to figure out what are you going to do with this giant bush that's now cut from uh, cut from the ground. Yeah. I mean, I, you can't really put it into a garbage can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we may have to take it out and and relocate it, right? Um, no, it, we'll we'll do it in segments, probably okay. a foot long segments until. Uh, okay. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. Now, yeah. keep in mind that it won't bloom that year either. Yeah. I'm okay with that. It's, it, the main thing is, is that this uh, trimming that we do to, to salvage our arms and legs, to save them as you walk by the thing, um, I, I can do that anytime. Okay, okay. I feel it's really time for this bush to kind of literally be taken down to size. So. Sounds good. Yeah, probably wasn't the smartest one to put where we put it. Well, I was just about thinking in my mind, I don't think I have ever seen a pyrocantha that wasn't planted too close to something. <laughs> <laughs> too close to a, 
to a parking lot, too close to a driveway, too close to a, to an entryway or to a sidewalk, because they they get big. They they do, but uh, like I said, you know, it, it is it was hard to find. Believe it or not, we've actually punished ourselves by putting another one about ten feet away from it. I love them. I think they're gorgeous. They, we, they, they just have such beautiful interest all year round. Yes, yeah, they do. Yeah. And even where I've pruned it earlier this uh, summer, uh, well, say in mid-May, I've already got beautiful lime green showing up at the ends of it. Mm-hmm. There you go. There yeah. you go. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it's an old-fashioned but, but lovely nasty bush. So. Yes, thorny as all get out. Yes, indeed. Uh, that takes care of it. Enjoy your show so much, and so glad you guys are, are still with us. Oh, well, thank thanks, you. Sarah. Appreciate I appreciate it. you listening. Take care. There was something that she said in that phone call that reminded me of something I saw in a, a trade magazine this morning. Mm-hmm. They were touting uh, a new Nandina, which doesn't grow here. I know that, and everybody should know that. If you see one, don't buy it. It ain't going to grow here. Um, this one was orange. Okay. Orange foliage. Ooh. Not, not reddish, which they're known for. Yeah. Well, that, that's kind of cool. Right. That they've uh, come up with an orange one. Well, and, I, and it doesn't grow here either. Yeah. <laughs> As you know, I grew up in Kansas, and pyracantha is a pretty common plant yeah. out there. And when I was in college, I worked for a, a nursery that did yard maintenance. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we had to do was shear pyracantha oh, bushes. God. And there was one at a bank that we, my, my co-worker and I were having to, to shear. And this thing was the size of a VW bus. Yeah. You know, it's just massive. And it was up against a building. Mm-hmm. There was no way to get to the back of it. <laughs> Just no way. So we ended up backing the pickup truck up to the shrub, putting a extension ladder across the bed of the pickup truck. And my buddy sat on one end of All it, right. and I <laughs> crawled out to the end over the top of this shrub. I could have been very severely damaged if he decided to get up. I guess. <laughs> 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 Gotta go to the bathroom, Keith. Yeah. Oh, there's a bee. I'm leaving. <laughs> I would have been in that pyrocanth. Oh boy, you'd still be there. <laughs> I'd still be there in pieces, in shreds. But man, that was a hey. It was something that huge. Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen these. You ever seen any colchicum? These are fall blooming crocus. We, that's what we call them anyway. Uh, available in garden centers as bulbs. Mm-hmm. In the in the fall. In the fall, really? Yeah, they yeah. have them, Bo- folks. You ought to go out and get some. They're a little bit on the pricey side, but the point I, I, I want to make is that, and you should plant them, and and they bloom in the fall with no leaves, no leaves, and they're pink for the most part. They look like they're, giant crocus. There is a whole bunch of varieties, and in my mind, they they're all the same. <laughs> they just, I'm sorry, except the water lily, <laughs> except one. water, and, and I found the label of mine yesterday, and nothing came up, and. Uh, and I don't know why. But anyway, anyway uh, these are strange in that they bloom in the fall. No foliage. No leaves. The bulb just blooms. In fact, if you could hold the bulb long enough in your hand, it would bloom in your hand. Yes. In fact, no, it'll, they bloom in the boxes at the, at yeah, the garden center. <laughs> there's no roots. They don't need any roots. Next spring, they put up foliage and mm-hmm. no blooms. Right. All right. Once the foliage dies down and they've been in the ground a couple of years, you can dig them up now. Mm-hmm. And dig all those extra bulbs that have grown, and then, excuse me, and spread them out. 
Or give them to friends like you did today. Or you did, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that was a long, wrong, roundabout way to get to giving you bulbs this morning. That's right. All right, we have to get out of here because we're late for a break. We'll be back quickly right after this on Legends 810. It's time for a summer celebration. At Lafayette Florist, Gift Shop, and Garden Center, let us help you with the festivities. For a birthday, anniversary, or surprise, a hand-delivered fresh flower bouquet will add the finishing touch to any gala. More of a plant person? No worries. We have a great selection of indoor houseplants and outdoor garden plants. A great gift for the green thumb or the beginner wanting to nurture something green. Just call and we'll take care of all the arrangements. We deliver smiles. It's easy to order flowers and plants. Call us 24-7 at 303-665-5555. Order on our website at lafayetteflorist.com or stop by. We're open daily. Celebrating over 72 years in business. Visit Boulder County's premier florist and garden shop, Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center. Located at 600 South Public Road in the heart of Lafayette. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Gardeners, pick up Monterey Garden Insect Spray ready to use. Monterey has OMRI-listed insecticide for organic gardening and contains spinosad and insecticidal soap. Monterey can be used on vegetables, herbs, fruit trees, flowers, houseplants, really just about on any plants. Monterey will control your pests, such as aphids, caterpillars, beetles, earwigs, mites, scale insects, thrips, and many more. Monterey also provides curative control of powdery mildew. And Monterey is available in a concentrate. Monterey Garden Insect Spray, ready to use, is available at your local independent garden retailer. Well, that was quick. My goodness, we are coming back. Uh, not only coming back, we are back right here on Legends 810 and taking your phone calls. We got someone called? We've got three people on the line. We've right. got uh, questions about leafing out, uh, grass seed to use, and grass killer questions. So let's start with Susan out in Louisville. Good morning, Susan. Thanks for calling the Wise Guys. Yeah, I have a question for you, and I just wanted to draw on your experience. Um, our sassafras, but this is a tree that we would have cut down maybe two weeks ago. It looked dead, and it's now blooming. <laughs> okay. And you can see the, the uh, incipient leaf, leaves coming right behind the flowers. What is your experience with um, things? We okay. never had something leave out so late, but what is your experience with things leafing out this later? Do you uh, anticipate that it's going to be able to have enough strength what strength to make it through the winter or what yeah, to stay alive yeah I, it is winter. weird it's weird that it's leafing out this late susan i mean there's no there's no two ways about it it's just it's just really late for something to be leafing out and to me that says the tree was stressed somehow i wonder oh, how it's been stressed. <laughs> the, the male died but we have we now have a, a seven foot sucker okay um, and this is the female, <laughs> and it also is suckering like crazy. Yeah, and they'll do that when when there's a risk of the main trunk dying out. Mm -hmm. um, they'll they'll start trying to reproduce themselves uh, through suckers, and that's that's one of the main ways it spreads, isn't it? Isn't that right, Jim? I mean, it's not so much by seed. 
Oh, yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's by suckering. Yeah. For the like most an part. aspen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Although I, I told you earlier in the spring, we did get a seedling <laughs> in, a, in a rose pot. Oh, cool. We, my husband tried to uh, grow the seeds. He gave up. He threw the dirt into the rose pot, and lo and behold, two years later or three years later. Yeah, their seed is really slow. Mm-hmm. And the seedling is doing fantastic. Well, good. Um, well, I, I just wondered. I, you know, we're going to, of course, leave it because <coughs> it, it, it for sure is g- giving some strength to the suffer- suckers right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, so well, hopefully... It's, it's also very attractive. It's very aesthetic. It has a very curvy, <laughs> nice shape. Well, hopefully um, it's not going to do what I'm afraid it might do, and that is sort of give a last ditch effort to try to leaf out and expend all of its stored energy and then die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, we're old gardeners. Things die. We know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Someday, Susan, I'm going to talk you out of a start from that tree. We, you know, we tried to grow these seeds for, for you. We did. Um, and and uh, that's what, who we were growing these seeds for. But um, when we finally got one, my husband it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I have tried bringing sassafras, seed, not seedlings, but cutting, uh, not cuttings, suckers. I've tried bringing them back from Tennessee and, and, you know, northern Tennessee, that sort of thing, and they just never take. So I gave up, but I absolutely adore that plant. Well, try from where we got it. <laughs> Where's that? We got it from Stony Lake along the shores of Lake Michigan. Okay. Well, that is a really northern source. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a question, uh, another, well, I have another comment. One is, uh, I called you la- uh, two years ago about the, uh, the uh, weedy orchid <laughs> that grew up a- around the base of the uh, sassafras, and the orchid's back. I, I, and I was wanting to know, what did you call that orchid? It was an orchid that's uh, a, a, like a nursery uh, weed. In, uh, well, it sounds like it might be... Uh, it might be an epipactus. Yeah, that's that's what. Yeah, I, that, that's the okay. weedy one. That's yeah. the okay. weedy one. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and I, finally, I uh, went to a, a landscape conference last Saturday. That was so fantastic, and I want to encourage people to uh, read read this book. It was a conference put on by Tree of Life Landscaping in Mead, and they had Thomas Rayner come and. He spoke all day. I, it was amazing to watch somebody speak so long. But he, uh, he wrote "Planting in a for in a post wild world," published by Timber Press, and it was very interesting and um, uh, kind of a spur to get beyond the chess piece style of landscape design that we seem to do here. You, you know, don't like things lined up in nice little rows? A little bush here, a little bush there, with mulch in between. <laughs> Yes, and, and, a, and a picket fence, but not too tall. Well, you know, we're gardeners. We would squeeze something in any tiny exposed oh. space. Yes, yes I, I tell people I don't, I don't do landscape design. I am a, for my yard, at least. I'm a collector. So well, there's no design involved. It's just... Exactly. <laughs> Whatever does well, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if it does well, I want one. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, and if, if, if I have an empty space, if I can see the soil... Well, in my yard. That's a space to be planted. Well, you know what's interesting is he talked about the way nature itself plants the earth. And 
you know that when there's an empty space, the space gets filled. Yes. Yeah. 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 There was a speaker at the Plant Select meeting uh, two, three weeks ago now. Uh, same thing. A different name for it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's this new, t- well, first of all, it's a new trend and t- it's kind of towards ecological planting design. You yes. Know, there's Doug mm-hmm. Calamy and yeah. all these different people that are uh, approaching it from various points of view. But it's, it's inspiring. And I would uh, I hope that people might take a little bit of it to heart and try it a little bit. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yes. It really is fun. And there, and the thing I like about it the most is there aren't any rules. <laughs> yes, and right. there's and every every one of these uh, people is approaching it from a slightly different perspective. Yep. Yes, yes. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And yeah. and what I like about it is that every day is different in the garden. Mm-hmm. Every no, he day. Used, he used a fantastic term that I'm never going to forget. He talked about planting your garden so that you create an emotional event. Yeah. And I know exactly what he meant because the best parts of my garden for me are emotional events. This person is obviously over 45 years old. He's not. He's a, well, he, I don't know. Everybody looks young to me now, but <laughs> <laughs> he, looked, he looked like he was maybe 45, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Take, yeah. It takes a while to gain that kind of wisdom. Yeah, it does. You don't see that very often in really young gardeners. It's they they haven't had the experience of creating emotional experiences with plants, and many people never do. But 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 you know, Keith, we've all had the experience of having an emotional experience with 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 landscapes. I don't know that that's true, Susan. All stood and looked at at the the Rocky Mountains from Chautauqua and seen that rolling grass going up to the trees. We've all mm-hmm. been in a forest. We've all in some way or another, had that kind of emotional event. Okay, I can see that in a natural situation like that, yeah. hmm Yeah. Yeah, but most people experience that out there, wherever there is, and for some reason can't, do not allow themselves to have it at home. Yeah. Which well, is they, something they, I don't quite understand. They can't visualize it. Well, it's a scale. Uh-huh. Scale it down to a your home situation is hard to do. For example, he showed a, a landscape design that was so fantastic between two office buildings that was simply three plants. It was birch trees, it was uh, sedge carrots, and it was ferns. And it, they created, the, they, they evoked an evocative landscape that looked like a forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can understand. <clears throat> Well, thank you, Susan. We appreciate okay. your call. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Well, I was thinking as she was talking about, uh, I was j- I've just been scheduled to give a tour sometime later this, this summer, and they wanted to know if I could make it two hours long. And I <laughs> looked at him and I said, yeah, I can cut it back to that. <laughs> <laughs> but I've yeah. noticed over the last, last bunch, of, uh, bunch of years, when I give a tour of my front garden especially, especially the smaller groups, not so much big, huge groups. Almost every plant has a story attached to it. Exactly. And that takes time. And <laughs> I, have to, I have to stop myself all the time. No, don't tell the whole story or you'll be here all day long. Yeah. Because <laughs> they said they only had a half hour. No, you're exactly right. 
my yard is full of plants with stories. And the stories, it's, you know, that to me, there's emotion attached there. Each Absolutely. and every one of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that gets right back to what Susan was talking about. And I have plants that take, take me all the way back to six years old. Yes. And, and the sassafras does that for me. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. We didn't have any in our immediate vicinity, but very close by, we went to picnic in local parks, and there were sassafras all over the place. And at that time, you could do pretty much what you wanted to do. So we'd be out there and pulling up sassafras, suckers actually, uh-huh. stripping the bark off the roots and chewing on it for the rest of the day. Ooh. It was a great taste. That's a sassafras tea. It was great tasting tea. Yes. And a carcinogen. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get out to the phones here. We've got uh, Tolene waiting to talk to us out in Aurora. Good morning, Tolene. Oh, yes, this is Tolene. Hi. Thanks for calling the Garden Wise guys. Um, My question is, I have some uh, grass, uh, Kentucky Blue, growing in my ice plant can I use over the top? You should be able to, yes. Okay, so I just spray it <clears throat> on and hope for the best? Yeah, let the grass get fairly tall, you know, six or eight <clears throat> inches tall if you can. Bef- it is. Before you spray it. And then, yeah, spray it on a nice warm day. Uh, that, that, that particular product works best during hot weather. Okay. And you All might right. spray it around the sides of the plant because that's probably where the grass came in underground no it's in well well i could do that but it's coming up through the middle of it oh okay and it'll take a good 10 days to two weeks before anything turns yellow okay all right so be patient yeah all right thank you very much you're welcome yeah we as gardeners need a healthy dose dose of patience well if you're an orchid grower like me you have to be patient or you don't have orchids they don't do anything quickly (laughs) other than die yeah, so if you're an instant gardener, you need things to happen now. I have an you're orchid. Not, you're not a gardener. I have an orchid in my collection that I had <clears throat> for five years at least before I ever saw the first bloom. Mm-hmm. And I've got orchids in my collection that I've had that same plant for 35 years. <laughs> well, I got plants in the front yard that have taken 20 years to bloom. <laughs> there you go. So there is patience involved in horticulture, yeah. Especially outdoors here, where it is just so hostile toward plants. Yeah, it, it's it's, and in your case too, it's not like you're waiting for that one orchid to to bloom, and there's nothing else going on in your orchid. Oh collection. right, no. And no. same thing, same thing in my front yard. There's tons of other things going on while I'm waiting for that other one to bloom. Oh yeah. Okay. And then and then it's I always love it. When you either walk out into the garden or I walk into the orchid room and I'm looking at other things and not even, th- wow, there's a flower on that. Or there's a yeah, bud coming. Yeah. I didn't even know. I know. <laughs> and it's, I love those, those uh, little surprises like that. Yeah, happens in the yard outside too. Mm-hmm. Almost every day I see something. Yes, two days ago I, I noticed that I had a yellow mariposa lily. Ooh. Oh, I didn't know I had a yellow mariposa lily. Is that right? Yeah. I had never seen it before, so it's been 20 years since I put those seeds of various species out there, and mm-hmm. this is the first year I've seen it. And I see things that come up in my yard that I know, for a fact, I did not plant. Oh, I got them all over the yard. <laughs> like, How did it get there? Where did that come from? <laughs> and one of those we got rid of because we had some construction 
and I haven't gotten it back yet. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and that's the swamp milkweed. I didn't plant it, and there oh. it came up. And now it's gone. No. Oh. That's why I can get some more seed and start it again. Oh, boy. Well, we're going to have, we're kind of wrapping this up here for the day. Yeah, we are. And uh, we're making plans for the rest of the day. Why don't you announce <coughs> that cactus and succulent oh, sale we, again? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have here cactus and succulent society uh, show and sale at the Jefferson County Fairgrounds on the 10th of, there we go, 10th of July. So that's uh, today's the fourth, so that's six days away. And um, it's a Saturday from 9 until 5. As I said, Jefferson County Fairgrounds. It's a $5 entry fee, but you'll get your money back um, just by enjoying the whole thing. Cheap inter- cheap entertainment, yes, at and, least. <clears throat> and lots of hardy plants there. And, of course, a lot of indoor plants as well. The but a lot of hardy plants. Sponsored by Je- so... Um, <laughs> so you want to go out there and, and, and enjoy. There'll be lots of people there. There'll be a ton of people there. Yeah, there will. It's yeah. going to be fun. Because it's, it's the first one that they've had for a couple of years yeah, now. It is. So and there's a lot of pent-up <clears throat> demand. And there's a show, too. I mean, uh, people have, uh, want bragging rights, so they're going to bring their prize collection plants in. And, and be lots of people there to answer your questions about anything. Mm-hmm. Not in, Probably not just cactus and succulents. A lot of cactus and succulent people... They're also gardeners of other things as well. But it's a really hot category right now yeah. in the plant world, cactus and succulents. And i got to tell you, they're going to have some cactus out there that will knock your socks off when they bloom. They are stunning. Absolutely. Some of them bloom twice. In the same year? Three bloomers, yes. My goodness. Just like hydrangeas now. Yes. <coughs> Okay. <laughs> All right, we're, we're, we're wrapping this up here and getting the heck out of here. So I want to thank everybody for listening to the show. And uh, remember, as always, keep that shovel sharp. Be careful where you dibble. Next week, we're going to come back and answer more of your questions right here on the same very same station, Legends 810. And uh, if you missed the show today, it'll be on again Sunday tomorrow from 6 until 9 p.m. So uh, until Eight. next week. Hmm? Six until eight. Six until eight. Six until we got six o'clock, seven o'clock. You're right. Six until eight. Okay, we're getting out of here. We'll be back next week right here on Legends 810.